In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We'll continue our Bible study tonight. We'll actually study Psalm 54. As I told you before, for each psalm, there is a title. And the title of this psalm, to the chief musician with stringed instruments, a contemplation of David, when the Ziphites went and said to Saul, is David not hiding with us? This is the title of the psalm. So this is one of the few psalms with a specific musical direction. It mentioned in the title with stringed instruments. So few psalms only uh, referred to which instrument is used to chant this psalm. Also it is called a contemplation, a contemplation of David. And according to the title, the author is David. And the title also includes the occasion in which the psalm was composed. It is composed when the Zivites went and said to Saul, Is David not hiding with us? It refers to the time of David's persecution by Saul. And they were actually two times when the Zivites betrayed David unto King Saul. The first time in 1 Samuel chapter 23 and the second time in 1 Samuel chapter 26. And David escaped both times. Although they went and said to King Saul, is David is not hiding with us? to give him that David is here among us, the Zivites, so he can go and arrest him. But David, through the grace of God, was able to escape both times. But the circumstances of this psalm seem to best fit the circumstances of the first time, 1 Samuel chapter 23, when David learned of the Zivite betrayal. This psalm also is supposed to have been written after his deliverance, after his deliverance from the first betrayal. Who are the Zivites? Zivites were inhabitants of a city called Zeph, which was in the tribe of Judah, as we read in Joshua chapter 15, verse 55. And we know that David also from the tribe of Judah. So these are people who are related to David, but from his tribe, the tribe of Judah, but they betrayed him. David, when he knew that King Saul is chasing him, So he took refuge in the mountains of Zeph. Then they reported to to King Saul 
that David is hiding among them. This son constitutes a cry of an opposed people and express their trust in the complete deliverance of God. So when people oppress us, when people persecute us, this psalm actually express our feeling. Also, we can take this psalm in a prophetic way. So the speaker here can Christ, the Lord of glory, the son of David, who suffers for our sake. And who are the Zivites? The Zivites represent Judas. So, as the Zivites, who were from the tribe of Judah, betrayed their relative, King David, in the same way, Judah, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, betrayed his master, the Lord Jesus Christ. This psalm is included in the prayer of the sixth hour of the Agbeya. That's actually the first psalm of the sixth hour of the Agbeya, where we commemorate the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as David in this psalm prayed that God may deliver him from those who persecuted him, so in the same way this psalm can be a a prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ during his crucifixion and when he prayed God, God, why do you forsake me? So that's why it is befitting to be prayed in the sixth hour of the Agbeya in which we commemorate the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And by praying it, the church glorifies Christ and his suffering on the cross. This is why it is a proper psalm also for Good Friday. It is a very short psalm, only seven verses. Verse 1 to 3, an earnest prayer for deliverance. Verse 4 and 5, an expression of confident belief in God's deliverance. The last two verses, 6 and 7, a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Verse 1, Save me, O God, by your name, and vindicate me by your strength. So this psalm begins with fourfold plea. Save me, hear me, give ear to me, vindicate me. If we read verse 2, So save me, O God, by your name, and vindicate me by your strength. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth. So there are four prayers, fourfold plea. Save me, hear me, give ear to me, vindicate me. Each of these pleas quite literally commands God's attention. So David actually as if he is saying, God, pay attention to me, respond to me, take an action to deliver me. David sought the Lord's deliverance and vindication, 
and did not take his own revenge. David actually was accurate. Actually, it was, as we're going to see, it was in his hand to kill King Saul. But he refused to do this. He refused actually to take his own revenge. But he is asking God to protect him and deliver him. So in his distress, David relied on both the name of God and the strength of God. That's why he said to him, Save me, O God, by your name. Vindicate me by your strength. So here he relied on the name and the strength of God. The name of God is a manifestation of his character. For example, when we say God is my salvation, that's manifestation of his character. God is my light, that's a manifestation of his character. So the name of God is the sum of his revealed attributes to us. He is power, he is my power, he is my salvation, he is my light, he is my strength, he is my refuge. All these are name of God. And the psalmist can appeal to it. For he has declared that it is God's will to save those who put their trust in him. If we put our trust in God, God will deliver us. As we read in Psalm 5, verse 11, Let those who love your name be joyful in you. Those who trust in your name be joyful in you because you will deliver them. And strength speaks of the great power of God. David knew that God's strength could respond to his need by what he knew of God's name. As I told you, God's name means he is almighty, all-powerful. So he can deliver him even from King Saul and all his army. So it's obvious, obvious here that the divine name refers to the divine presence and the trust of the divine work, not only the name uttered by our lips. And when the wicked said to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, Lord, we not, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. So these people used the name of God, but because they lived a wicked life, that's why the Lord said, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So it is not the mere utterness of the name of God, but the life that reflect the presence of God in my life. And we can see here, while the Zivites sought to please King Saul, David took refuge in the name of God. David trusted everything to God, because God is the mighty one. He is the judge of all. That's why he said, Vindicate me, he is the judge of all. David's confidence 
confident in the goodness of his cause. He knew that he did not do any harm to King Saul. That he is sure that the right judgment, if right judgment is done to him, he will be delivered. Uh, and his enemies would have greater evidence when God delivered delivered David, so his enemies will have greater evidence that David was in the right and they they were in the wrong. When God answered this prayer, vindicate me and preserve me. And according to St. Augustine, the church, we, is like David. While the Zivites practice deception and plant plots, the persecuted church find in the name of the crucified Christ and in the power of his cross our salvation. So when the enemies of God persecute the church, persecute us, or make plans against us, if we put our trust in the name of God, in the name of the crucified Christ, and in the power of his cross, then we will find our salvation. David asked God to hear his prayer in verse 2. God, hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. So, when he said, hear my prayer, he is speaking about the prayer of the heart, the unspoken words. And when he said, give ear to the word of my mouth, he is asking God to listen to the spoken words. So he's asking God to listen to the size of his heart as well as to the words of his mouth. David's prayer was remarkably heard and answered. For when Saul came down upon the first discovery, when they told him, we know David is here in Ziph among us, and threatened David and his men all around and was just about to seize him. What happened? News came to King Saul of the invasion of the Philistines. And when this news came to King Saul, he was obliged directly to quit his pursuit of David and return in haste for the defense of his country. And thus God delivered David. He was about to arrest him. He knew where he was. And the Zivites actually supported him. But God actually made the Philistines to attack Israel. That's why King Saul has to go back in order to defend his country. And actually, in the second time, when the Zivites also said to King Saul, David is hiding here. And when Saul came again to take him, God delivered Saul to the hands of David. And David was in his power to kill King Saul. But David refused. He said, I will not stretch out my hand to the anointed of the Lord. That's the second time. 
And David took the spear and the jug of water by Saul's head, and he got them as a proof that he was in his it, it was in his power to kill King Saul, but he refused. And thus God delivered David from King Saul for the second time. Because when King Saul discovered that David was in his power to kill him, but he refused, he told him, you are more righteous than me. And he did not uh, arrest or kill David. So we can see how powerful is the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man. David prayed, save me, O God, vindicate me, hear my prayer, turn your ear toward my words. This was a fervent prayer of a righteous man, and God listened to his prayer. This prayer is suitable for also David and type the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, it was common for David and others in their prayers to merely ask for God to hear or give ear to their cry. And they know that if the good and merciful God heard, he would act. So all, all what they are asking for to God, that God hear, that God give ear, pay attention, and they are sure when God hears, he will act. But what case does David have against these Zivites? Why he is praying to deliver him from these enemies? What's his justification for asking that God would put an end to their plan? Uh, verse 3, For strangers have risen up against me, and oppressors have sought after my life. They have not set God before them. So he mentions three things. Number one, strangers have risen up against me. Number two, oppressors have sought after my life. And why? Because, number three, they have not set God before them. Salam. I told you they were from the tribe of Judah. They were relatives to David. How David is describing them as strangers? They are not strangers. They are relatives. But David points out that these men who were Israelites from the tribe of Judah, but they were acting like strangers. Why else would they be seeking to destroy the one whom the Lord had already anointed king? God anointed David as a king. Why do they want to destroy him? And who was David who was just waiting until Saul would step down until he could assume the crown of the kingdom of Israel. But their betrayal of David was so contrary to both David's and also to God's cause that David could rightly refer to them as strangers. 
It was God's plan for David to be their king. So when they want to kill David, they are not only against David, but they against God also. And God's plan to appoint David to be the king of Israel. That's why he referred to them as strangers and oppressors who sought his life. Also, these Zivites were violent men, oppressors. They were heartless and sought David's soul. They were after his life. But their problem were not only in relation to David, they want to kill him, but also in relation to God. They have not set God before them. That's the problem. They have not set God before them. So their rejection of David was just an expression of their rejection to God. They had no more regard for right, for justice, than if they knew, as if they don't know God or they cared for him. So this is the root cause of all betrayal. It is that people don't have a right relationship with the Lord. They don't set the fear of God in front of their eyes. They don't don't set God before their eyes. And where that is the case, where people have no regard for the Lord, they are not going to regard his people either. If I don't fear God, I will not treat the people of God rightfully. And this happened with the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to his own. He came to his relative. He came to Israel. But his own, his relative, did not receive him. They acted like strangers, like oppressors. That's why the Lord said, A man's enemies will be those of his own household. St. Augustine comments and says, When man does not set God before him, what would be before his eyes other than the world? If God is not before my eyes, then who will, what will be in front of my eyes? The world. In other words, he would collect wealth above wealth, cares to fill up his storehouses, and would say, like the foolish rich man, I will say to my soul, soul, You have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Sila is a pause for reflection. So after verse 3, it is a time to reflect on God. When you see Sila, means a pause, time for reflection. Reflection on this very powerful word, they have not said God before them. Verse 4, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. So, after this brief pause, which here marks a change of his feeling, David in the first three verses, he was crying, 
that God may deliver him, may help him. But now we can see a change in his feeling. David's confidence has been restored and he has faith. And he has faith that his prayer will be answered. Confident of his prayer have been heard, the Psalms breaks out into a joyous expression of thankfulness. Although he still at this moment was not delivered, but because he trusts in God, now he is actually giving praise to the Lord. Behold, God is my helper. As if he is warning his enemies, he is saying to my enemies, be careful. This is a warning. God is my helper. His present adversity had not led him to question the goodness of God, but to appeal to it. Many times when we go through difficult time, we question the goodness of God. Why you did this to me? But this is the right, is the wrong attitude. The right attitude is not to question the goodness of God, but rather to appeal to it. Instead of saying, God, why? Ask him, God, you see my trouble. Help me. Save me. Give ear to my cry. Listen to my prayer. David can say by his past experience, like with Goliath, like with the bear and lion, not only God will help him, but God is on his side so that the issue cannot be doubtful. He said, the Lord is with those who uphold my life. God is on my side. What's here said true of David can also be true of our Lord Jesus Christ and expressed by the Son of God in the same language. Isaiah 50, chapter 50, verse 9, has a prophecy about our Lord Jesus Christ. So here the Messiah is speaking in Isaiah 50, verse 9. Surely the Lord the God will help me. Who is he who condemned me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment. The moth will eat them up. The same words like what David said in Psalm 54. And these words are true for all the believers whom the Lord helps. So all of us, we can say, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. The Lord is on my side. Verse 5. He will repay my enemies for their evil. Cut them off in your truth. Literally, he will repay my enemies. He shall return the evil upon his enemies and opponents. He shall turn the evil upon his enemies and opponents. Uh, Meaning, God will cause the evil which they are planning to fall upon David 
to fall back upon their own heads. So here David prophesies their destruction. God will reward them for their evil deeds. He would deal with them as they deserve. This is not the personal desire of David. But David believes that the Lord will do justice. That's why he will turn evil upon their heads. Then David said, cut them off in your truth. David here came to prayer again. Cut them off in your truth. This is simply an expression of strong confidence that God would deal with them as they deserve. He prayed, cut them off in your truth. But he refused to to take vengeance in his own hands, as I told you, when King Saul actually was in his hand and it was in power of David to kill King Saul, he refused. He said, I will not stretch my hand out to the anointed of the Lord. So while David is saying, cut them off in your truth, David refused to take vengeance in his own hands. Immediately after the second betrayal of the Zivites, David had the opportunity to kill King Saul in his sleep, but he refused to do it. He waited upon God to do it. Verse 6, I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. David started from verse 1 to 3, praying God to deliver him. 4 and 5, he expressed his confidence. 6 and 7, this confidence rose up to certainty. And the Hebrew word for freely, I will freely sacrifice to you, means willingly, with willingness. Actually, the Coptic translation, as we read it in Arabic, willingly, with my will. So the Hebrew word that, uh, Hebrew word that interpreted freely means literally willingly. With a free will, he will sacrifice unto God. This sacrifice is not required, did not need to be made, but it is done freely out of gratitude. It is a sacrifice of praise. I will praise your name, which explain what is meant by sacrificing. This is what is due to the Lord. As in Psalm 50, he said, if you accept burnet offering, I would have given it. But the sacrifice to God is a humble heart. So the true sacrifice is a sacrifice of praise. David said this in anticipation of God's salvation, not in demand for the rescue, when he said, I will freely sacrifice to you, I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good, because he knew God will deliver him. 
It is not a demand for rescue, but it is anticipation for God's salvation. David was able to praise God while the problem remained. He prayed this before God delivered him and before the prayer was answered. And he said, your name is good, God's name is good, and so is his praise. And as I explained the name of God, when we say God is my power, is my salvation, is my light, that is the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is good, and I will praise your holy name. It is of great benefit to our souls to be always in praise. David described it in, in verse 3 that the problem of his enemies, they are not setting God before them. But David has a different mind from, their enemy, from his enemies. He determined to have the Lord in continuous and constant remembrance in his sacrifices and praises. So his enemies did not set God before them. But David continually actually standing before God to offer him sacrifices of praise. Then David gives his thanks to God the Father for all the accomplishment of these acts. As we read in verse 7, For he has delivered me out of all trouble. And I want you to notice he used it delivered in the past tense, although he was not delivered yet. He delivered me out of all trouble, of all trouble, not most troubles or most of them, but all trouble. And my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. He confidently brought his request to God, knowing that many times before God had delivered him. And as he delivered him in the past, he will deliver him right now, and he will deliver him. We can read these verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Sorry, chapter 1, verse 8. God has delivered us from such death, he does deliver us in whom we trust that he will deliver us. So the psalmist here speaks with confidence that through his past, his experience of God as his savior from every affliction, God also will deliver him. That's why he said all trouble. He has seen as well the failure of the devil, despite all his endeavor to destroy the children of God. It is therefore not gladness on his part to destroy someone. When he said, and my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. We cannot say, has seen its desire upon my enemies, as if David is glad that his enemies are destroyed. But actually, this destruction 
is for the spiritual hosts of darkness. The devil and all his soldiers that are moving his enemies to betray him and plot against him. God's past faithfulness became the ground for future faith. David all his life lived a life of dangers, yet he was always safe. In the retrospect of his very many deliverances, he feels that he must praise God. And looking upon the mercy which he sought as though it were already received, he sang this song over it, as if his, this mercy already received and God delivered him already. My eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. It is not that he delighted in the destruction of his enemies, no. But he is delighted in the justice of God. And God glorified by the execution of his justice. He is delighted in the goodness of God to him in delivering him from them. As also we, re- we read in Revelation 18, verse 20, upon the destruction of Babylon, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles, for God has avenged you on her. So here the joy is not upon the destruction, but that the justice of God is executed, and the goodness of God in delivering his people. Also, this may point to Christ, of whom deliver was a symbol, uh, sorry, David was a symbol. Jesus is the anointed king yet to come into the fullness of his kingdom. David was the anointed king, but he did not assume his kingdom yet. In the same way, Jesus is our anointed king. He was anointed in in his baptism to be our king. But yet, he did not actually uh, subject all his enemies under his feet yet. Jesus came to save and lead God's people. And when he saved us, some among the people of God, like Judas, betrayed him unto death. Exactly like what happened to David. The father would deliver the son out of all the troubles of his state of humiliation in his incarnation. And he was perfectly sure of it. And all things are said to be put under his feet. St. Paul explained this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 when he said about Jesus that all things will be put under his feet and the last enemy will be death. So Jesus now is reigning and he will continue to reign until all the enemies will be under his feet. This will be the end. Then he will deliver the kingdom to God the Father. As David, he was anointed king but did not assume the kingdom yet until all his enemies will be put under his feet, the kingdom became the king of Israel. David became the king of Israel.
So, although we don't see yet all the enemies put under the feet of Christ, yet we are sure that Jesus will reign till all his enemies be made his footstool, as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And he shall see his desire upon him, upon them. So, my eye, this verse can be spoken of the Lord Jesus Christ, as if the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. What is the desire? That all these enemies will be under his feet, so he will deliver the kingdom to God the Father. So these verses are encouragement to all believers to actually trust their deliverance. As St. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 17, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Lion here, Neron, the emperor. And the Lord will deliver me in the future. He is saying this with confidence, with certainty. From every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So these words of St. Paul, each believer can say, can say the Lord stood with me, strengthened with me, strengthened me, strengthened me. I was delivered out of the mouth of my enemies, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. St. Augustine says, This do ye therefore, brethren, with your souls, Lift up your hearts, sharpen the edge of your mind, learn truly to love God, learn to despise the present world, learn voluntarily to sacrifice the offerings of praise, to the end that, mounting beyond the flower of the grass, you may look back upon your enemies in victory and triumph. This concludes Psalm 54. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.